Not only should Walters be your spot before and after every Nats game, but also Walters is an avenue for cheaper Nats tickets. When buying tickets to Nationals Park through the rest of the season, enter promo code WALTERS for 30% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Skies one to left center field and deep. Long chase Hill back to the warning track. He's out of room and there it goes. Down to the Reds bullpen. A two-run homer for Joey Votto makes it 3-0 Cincinnati. His fourth home run of the season. Diaz coming set. First base side of the hill. The kick and the payoff pitch swung on. Ground ball right side. Right at the second baseman. India Fields throws to Votto. And the game is over. The Reds take game one of this four-game series. And welcome to Nats Chat for Tuesday, July 4th, 2023. Happy July 4th, along with MassInSports.com Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman, who is at Nationals Park. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. So the Cincinnati Reds are what we hope that the Nats soon will be, a uh, young team that is having a surprisingly successful season. The Reds, as we speak, are tied with the Milwaukee Brewers atop the National League Central at 46 and 39, although each team does have a uh, negative run differential. But the Reds now have won 17 of their last 21 games, the latest of which did come at the expense of the Nats, a uh, 3-2 Nats loss to the Reds at Nationals Park on Monday evening in Game 1 of a four-game series. Nats now 34-50, second-worst record in the National League, uh, and now are just 13-28 and at home versus 21-22 and on the road. Uh, coming up later in the show, the latest installment of Tim Shover's conversation with Jim Callis, senior writer for MLB Pipeline. You'll hear Jim talk about the Nats number two prospect for Pipeline, third baseman slash shortstop Brady House, who is the number 73 prospect in all of baseball for MLB Pipeline. But Mark, we on Monday evening had good pitching by the Nats. We had some uh, not so good hitting by the Nats. And we had a rain delay during which there was no rain. The start of the game was delayed by 25 minutes due to rain that did not happen. If a tree falls and nobody hears it, does it still make a sound? If a rain delay happens, but it doesn't rain, is it still a rain delay? I'm not so sure. Well, if it's at Nationals Park, yes, because this isn't the first time. Unfortunately, this has happened. Look, they take a lot of grief for this. I understand why that is, and I'm not defending them, but I'll just say that if you're watching the radar and even just looking out the windows in front of and behind the ballpark, we were 
really close to the edge of where that storm was. And so I understand why they wanted to be cautious. Last thing you want to do is take the field on time at 6.05, have it start pouring in the first inning, and now you've burned your starting pitcher. I think both teams would agree with that. So a little frustrating that was the case, but they still started at 6.30. It still ended at like just after nine o'clock. So not a lot of complaints. They got the fireworks off all that. Unfortunately, there were just no fireworks offensively for this team and a very, very winnable game. I know they've been in this position a lot of times this year and plenty of times they have not been able to pull it off, but it felt to me like maybe even more so than a lot of the previous cases, this was a game that was just screaming for somebody to step up and seize it with one clutch hit. It's all it would have taken. And they just could not provide that one hit. No, they could not. The Nats in this game on Monday evening, just two runs, just eight hits, six of which were singles. The Nats drew just one walk. The Nats went one for nine with runners in scoring position. And the Nats in the bottom of the ninth had an especially costly caught stealing. So Corey Dickerson in this game was the Nats starting left fielder and number seven batter, two for four with a couple of singles. He in the bottom of the ninth had a one-out opposite field infield single to uh, red shortstop Matt McClain deep in the hole on a one-two pitch. Nats manager Davey Martinez then pinch ran for Dickerson with Stone Garrett. Here's the set. Runner goes the pitch inside. The throw on down to the tag, and he's out at second base. Oh, my. With the Nats down 3-2, I mean, an especially costly caught stealing. What happened there exactly? Well, it was a close play. I'll give that. He was given the green light, but that's still up to the runner to decide if he can get a good jump or not. Doesn't mean run on this pitch no matter what. So Davey Martinez was asked about it afterwards. His quote was, We got to kind of be aggressive, but in that situation right there, you got to be 1,000% sure you can make it. Obviously, you know, we weren't smacking the ball the way we wanted today, but um, I'm not going to fault him for being aggressive, like I said. But, you know, in that situation, he's got to know that he's going to make it. And so I get what he's saying there. For a team that has really struggled to manufacture runs, you're essentially asking for C.J. Abrams to drive him in from first base or else you're going to need two hits before the inning is over. So I get it. You want to give it a shot, but you better be sure. It was a nice play on the Reds' part. It wasn't you know, egregious. It wasn't thrown out by a mile or anything like that. But boy, that sucked whatever energy there was out of that potential rally at a time in the game where, of course, every out is so precious. You know, in this season in which we are seeing a lot of stolen bases, as we are recording this installment of the podcast, the Nats are 26 out of 30 major league teams in steals on the year at 43. Now, the percentage is pretty good. The percentage is about 75%, 43 out of 57. But that is one of the shames of this season, that a Nats team that we know does not hit for much power isn't exactly excelling in the stolen base department in a season in which so many other teams are excelling. And again, the Nats percentage actually is pretty good, but you just don't have the volume of steals. And, you know, you look at the top of the stolen base leaderboard in Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays are number one in the majors in terms of steals on the season. The Cincinnati Reds are number two. Now, steals don't guarantee you anything. Oakland is number three. But boy, especially, you know, with this team's lack of power, it would be nice if this team could steal more bases. And we just haven't seen a lot in that regard. And especially when you consider the fact that they came into the season saying they were going to do that a lot more. They wanted to take advantage of the rules. Now, you got to get on base before you can steal one. And they've had a little bit of trouble with that. But they do have runners who are capable of doing this. Lane Thomas, 
C.J. Abrams, uh, Derek Hill right now, Victor Robles when he was healthy, and in this case, Stone Garrett. And, and here's the shame of this is you're specifically pinch running for Corey Dickerson, who had just singled. So you're saying, okay, if you're going to put a pinch runner out there, either it's because you're saying we want you to score from first on a double or we want you to get yourself in the scoring position on your own. And, you know, it wasn't a terrible jump. It was a bang, bang play, all that. But it does feel like if the situation was reversed and it was the Nationals leading by one run in the ninth and the opposing team had a man on first with one out, they would steal that base and the Nationals would not. And that's been one of those little things that has been a big thing all year, their inability to take extra bases and their inability to prevent the opposing team from taking extra bases. The Nats this season are the kings of allowing the uncontested steal. We've seen that time and again. And the Nats this season have a number one catcher in Cape Bitt Ruiz, who's had a hard time throwing out runners on trying to steal. We've talked about that. Now, that's not all on him, but when it comes to defending opposing teams running games and engineering their own running game it's been a real net minus this season when you talk about steals by the opposition and steals generated by the Nats the stolen base battle is not a battle that the Nats are winning this season no and did you notice the one in this game it was the eighth inning for the Reds it was Fairchild who had just been hit by a pitch stole second Ruiz made a good throw the problem Abrams wasn't even covering the bag, and so the throw went behind the bag, and Abrams caught it, you know, 10 feet from second base. I mean, if that wasn't, like, everything in a nutshell for you right there about what's happened to the Nationals here, even when they got a good throw, the shortstop was not there, not anticipating it to make the play. It has been a real problem for them, and I don't know how many games it has directly cost them, but it does feel like one of a lot of those just little things they have not done well. And like you said, if you don't score a lot of runs, you don't hit for a lot of power, you had better be able to do the little things right. And this team has not done the little things right. Nats had two extra base hits in this game on Monday evening. They were by Jamer Candelario and Lane Thomas. Uh, Golly gee, maybe those guys should be all-stars. I don't know. Candelario on Monday evening as the Nats starting third baseman and number three batter, one for three with a solo homer and a single. He and the Nats one run fourth, had a leadoff homer to center field. Uh, This was some shot, 414 feet per stat cast. And Lane Thomas on Monday evening, two for four, double and a single. And the double did come in the first inning. And yet another instance of Lane Thomas uh, producing in a first inning this season, bottom of the first, a leadoff ground rule double off the left field warning track. But I thought it was interesting, Mark, for this game, Davey Martinez had Joey Manessis in the number five spot. And that stands out. If you are a Nats lineup wonk, you know that Manessis, for so much of this season, has been either the number four batter or the number three batter. Now, it's a subtle drop, right? It's only a drop of one at most two spots, right down to number five. But Manessis had an awful June He has been getting a decent number of off days lately. He has not been playing every day the way that he had been earlier this season. His numbers for the season really are turning ugly. Do you put stock, do you put significance in Davey having Manessis in that number five spot? We had Dom Smith in the cleanup spot, which, you know, you think about that for a second. But what'd you make of Manessis in that five spot on Monday evening? Right. Well, to me, it was who was replacing him. The guy who has statistically been the worst clutch hitter on the team, one of the worst in baseball. And wouldn't you know, in the first inning, it came up with two outs and a man on third. It's the cleanup hitter's spot to hit. And it's not Manessis who's hit over 400 with runners in scoring position this year. It's Dom Smith who grounds out as he has way too often 
this year. Dom Smith now with two outs and runners in scoring position this season, three for 31 with zero extra base hits. That is not good. Now, I asked Davey about that before the game, the lineup switch there, and he basically cited the following, that Dom Smith had had a nice little upswing here lately. He had a couple home runs. He has started to hit the ball better, so it was kind of a show of confidence in him, maybe to make him feel a little better about himself. And Joey Manessis, like you said, has struggled here lately, got off to a great start on the road trip with a bunch of key RBIs in San Diego, and then went ice cold and he had a four-strikeout game that set him back a ways, and he has not looked like himself here over the last five or six days. So I think this was a conscious effort to move him down, take a little pressure off of him. I don't know what the next move is. Like you said, he's given him some days off to let him clear his head. But for a guy who, for better or worse, is such an integral part of this lineup, he just is not producing in a way that you need a middle of of the order bat to uh, produce for you. And it's really costing them They needed Joey Manessis to come through. They needed Dom Smith to come through. They needed whoever was hitting cleanup in this game to come through for them. Manessis is slash line now on the season. Batting average, 280. On base percentage, 320. Slugging percentage of 366. I hit on this on a recent installment of the show, but boy, it really does jump out at you. You have Lane Thomas and Jamer Candelario, each with an OPS of above 800 on the season. And then no other qualified Nat has an OPS above 700. Everyone else is in the 600s or worse. I mean, you just think about if somebody could catch fire to where he gets his OPS into that, I don't know, like 750 range, dare I say even 800 range, you know, a Luis Garcia, a Joey Manessis, a CJ Abrams, a Kbert Ruiz. And look, Kbert uh, did have a good looking uh, RBI hit in this game on Monday evening. So I do want to give him credit for that. The one run six, a one out RBI single to right field on an 0-2 pitch to cut the deficit to 3-2. But geez, just somebody to rise up here to help out Thomas and Candelario This offense might actually be all right, but it just is basically all on Thomas and Candelario, it feels like right now. Right. And we're not talking about everybody needing to hit. A lot of these games, they are legitimately one hit away from flipping it in the other direction as they were in this case. So yeah, one guy coming through in a big spot and they just have not consistently found anybody to do that. You know, we don't ever talk about Corey Dickerson for a guy who plays as much as he does and is in a relatively significant spot in the lineup. He has not produced for them. We've talked about Dom Smith and how he hasn't produced. Um, Derek Hill, the center fielder now, is really doing nothing for them offensively, even worse than Alex Call was doing before he was sent down. And for all the grief that Victor Robles gets at times, they are missing his bat in the lineup and a guy who does steal some bases as well. That's a guy they're missing. And we haven't really heard much about how long it's going to take before he comes back. So they're just having to make a go of it right now with what they have. And you're right. It's Thomas and Candelario and nobody else with any consistency. Yeah. To put this into perspective with Derek Hill, Alex calls OPS at the major league level this season, 590. Awful. Derek Hill's OPS so far with the Nats, albeit in a small sample size of just 12 games, is 378. I mean, <laughs> you know, who knew we'd be missing the offensive prowess of Alex Cole via Derek Hill? Uh, yeah, that is something. You know, with Robles, I've kind of prepared myself for this is going to be a while. When you come off an injured list and then go back on an injured list with essentially the same injury, 
I don't think we should be anticipating seeing Victor Robles back again anytime soon. He was placed on the 10-day IL with back spasms in the lumbar spine on June 21st. He was on the 10-day IL May 8th, retroactive to May 7th to June 16th due to back spasms. I feel like with Robles, I mean, it may not be until you know, August that we see Robles. I I don't know. I I don't feel like we should be real bullish on him coming back anytime soon. Yeah, I agree. When it's a back injury and it's happened to you twice and he only made it through a few games before he had to go back, he's been in West Palm Beach and my understanding, not really doing any kind of baseball activities yet. It's still rehab and treatment. That is a concern. Yeah. And for a guy who his game is so much about movement, both in the field, at the plate, on the bases, you have to make sure at this point that he is 100% healthy. They cannot rush him back given what he just went through. So yeah, I would anticipate it could be a while and they're not getting much anything from their other center fielders at the moment. And that is becoming pretty noticeable, I would say. Hey, NatChat Podcast. Tim Shover is here to tell you about the Game Time app. I got a text recently from a good friend of mine whose daughter is really into Harry Potter and wants to be there on Saturday, July 8th for Harry Potter Day against the Texas Rangers. They aren't the biggest sports fans to begin with, so I directed him to the Game Time app and told him what was the best move. Now he will be behind the Nats dugout for a reasonable price, all by simply logging on to the Game Time app. Game Time is the fastest and easiest way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you would know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Summer is here. The heat, the humidity, forcing your air conditioning unit into overdrive, leading to energy bills that are higher than James Wood's potential. (laughs) The solution, new windows from my friends at Window Nation, which is offering a great deal. No money down, no payments, and no interest for two years, plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy, call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the NatChat podcast. Protect your home and increase the value of your home with great new windows from Window Nation, which does windows right. You know, the average installer from Window Nation has over 16 years of experience with over 20 thousand windows installed no money down no payments and no interest for two years plus two free windows for every two windows that you buy call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com that's 866-90-NATION or windownation.com and make sure that you tell window nation that al galdi sent you hey nat chat listeners the world's most comfortable pants are at bird dogs if you go to birddogs.com All one word, you can look at their various selection and see their soft, stretchy khakis that will last forever. Bird dogs fit better than regular shorts. They're made of a stiff, restricting cotton, and I believe it based upon customer reviews. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. 
The 3-1. Swinging a pop-up on the right side. Moving in the first baseman Smith. And to the right of the mound will make the catch. And Jake Irvin has retired six in a row. And he's finished six innings so far here tonight. Well, Monday evening was not good for the Nats from an offensive perspective. But this 3-2 loss to the Reds was a good game for the Nats from a pitching perspective. Uh, Four Nats pitchers combined to allow three runs in nine innings. Jake Irvin was the Nats starting pitcher for this game. And he was at least decent for a fourth consecutive start uh, since having his turn in the rotation skipped. Irvin on Monday evening, three runs in six innings, gave up six hits, a homer and five singles. He issued a walk. He had three strikeouts. He threw 89 pitches, 56 strikes versus 33 balls. He, in the top of the second, allowed a run on three singles, including a two-out RBI single by Tyler Stevenson to left field for a one nothing Reds lead. And then Irvin, in the top of the fourth, allowed two runs, leadoff opposite field single by Ellie De La Cruz through the left side of the infield, and then a one-out two-run opposite field home run by Joey Votto to left center for a 3 nothing Reds lead. But this has been encouraging, what we have seen from Jake Irvin since he had that outing uh, skipped since he had that turn in the rotation skip. So we had what he did in this game on Monday evening. His previous start came in that 7-4, 11-inning win at the Seattle Mariners on June 27th. Irvin in that game, three runs, five and two-thirds innings. He threw a ton of strikes, though, in that game. 93 pitches, 61 strikes, 32 balls. His previous outing, 5-3 loss to the Arizona Diamondbacks at Nationals Park on June 22nd. Two runs, one earned in six innings with six strikeouts versus one walk. And then the outing prior to that, a 5-2 loss to the Miami Marlins at Nationals Park on June 17th. Irvin in that game, one run in five innings. I mean, he hasn't been lights out, but he certainly has been a lot better. And it does stand out. Turn in the rotation skipped each of his next four starts at least decent, if not good. I mean, we are seeing a better version of Jake Irvin here over these last four outings. Yeah, no doubt. And it's not just the fact that he got some rest or had his turn skipped. He worked on stuff during that time, some mechanical changes. And you can see the results. I mean, he is throwing strikes. That's the biggest thing. He was having trouble with that earlier in the year. My favorite stat from this game from him is six innings on 89 pitches. How many times have we seen Josiah Gray or Mackenzie Gore give them six innings on 89 pitches this year? They're very often up over 100, maybe not even able to finish the sixth inning. So that, to me, is a great sign. Four straight starts now. He has given them a chance. I think it's a significant step for them and for him. You know, he doesn't need to lead the way. They just need him to be a fifth starter and do exactly what he's doing. So that's been a very pleasant development. And I think we have to give some credit here to Jim Hickey for working with him on the side, figuring out some mechanical changes, implementing them. And now we're seeing the positive results for it. That's a great sign. Well, and from a coaching standpoint, from a player development standpoint, I mean, you take a step back. Josiah Gray much improved this season. Jake Irvin demonstrating improvements, certainly in recent weeks. As much as we may joke about this, the Patrick Corbin who we are seeing this season is better than the Corbin who we saw these last two seasons. It's all relative. We get that. There is the Corbin curve. We get that. But 2023 Patrick Corbin is appreciably better than uh, certainly 2022 Patrick Corbin and also 2021 Patrick Corbin. So you are seeing some growth here. You are seeing some improvement here. And, you know, obviously we have a rest of the season to be played out. But You know, this was such a tough pill to swallow for any Nats fan in recent years, just 
guys weren't getting better, and it really was alarming, and it really was troubling. And so now, at least this season, you have some concrete, tangible evidence to which you can point and say, hey, this guy's better, that guy's better. Maybe, just maybe, the Nats are getting better when it comes to coaching and player development. Let's look at the bullpen, too. Mason Thompson, great in April, awful in May, worked on some things, fixed it. He's looked a whole lot better ever since. Kyle Finnegan, after some rocky uh, appearances earlier on, has looked a lot better as well. So yes, there is progress there and improvement in a way that we have not seen in several years, not just from one or two guys, but from a good number of them. Well, Mark mentioned the Nats bullpen. The Nats bullpen in this game on Monday evening was quite good. Three Nats relievers combined for three scoreless innings with five strikeouts. How about Jordan Weems? You know, Jordan Weems lately, when he has been on, has been quite good. He has shown himself to be a strikeout pitcher. And and Weems in this game on Monday evening, one and a third perfect innings with four strikeouts. Uh, He tossed a scoreless top of the seventh with three strikeouts and then struck out Jonathan India to begin the top of the eighth. Joe LaSorsa then came into the game and he bounced back from his wretched outing over the weekend. LaSorsa on Monday evening in the top of the eighth faced three batters and got two outs. And Amos Willingham was handed the top of the ninth with the Nats down by just the one run. And Amos Willingham tossed a scoreless top of the ninth. So, you know, it's not just three Nats relievers combining for three shutout innings with five strikeouts, but those relievers were Jordan Weems, Joe LaSorsa, and Amos Willingham. This was not, you know, Mason Thompson, Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, uh, the B-team bullpen getting the job done in this game. And I think that's also what made this one so frustrating is if I tell you going in, you're going to hold the Reds to three runs and your pitchers doing that are Jake Irvin, Jordan Weems, Joe LaSorsa, and Amos Willingham, you would take that in a heartbeat and feel like, man, that's a game they should win. Props to all those guys for stepping up. Weems has really looked good here. He's got an ERA under two now since coming up to the big leagues. And like you said, strikeouts, getting out of some big spots. LaSorsa is a guy who shows a lot of emotion. He had a couple of strikeouts, including of the great prospect, Ellie De La Cruz, who, and I'm being facetious here, one for four or three strikeouts. I don't know what the, all the hype is about. I was not impressed at all with the young lad who, by the way, I walked past him in the concourse towards the clubhouse this afternoon. He is a beast. He is 6'7", and he's still all arms and legs. As he gets older, he's going to fill out. He is really a physical presence, and I'm excited to see him over the rest of the series. But yeah, good stuff from not the guys you're expecting. And, you know, all those times we've talked about, well, down a run, should Davey use some of his A guys to try to keep it close? And he didn't in this case, but the B guys kept it close. It's not their fault that the the team didn't win this game. It was, this is all in the lineup. Weems uh, this season at the major league level now, 18 strikeouts in 15 and two thirds innings. Were you surprised that Amos Willingham got the nod for that top of the ninth inning? That that just like from a visual perspective, it just was kind of jarring. I mean, I understand why Davey did it, but man, we're not used to seeing that close game like that. And it's Amos Willingham, famous Amos, who was uh, given the task of that top of the ninth inning. Well, remember, he was warming in the 11th inning the other night in Seattle and was this close to making his major league debut in a save situation. So maybe I shouldn't be surprised by it. No, what stood out to me about that was it seemed like Davey was acknowledging that Finnegan and Harvey were not available. Maybe if it had been a save situation, would have been a different story. But he was pretty much trying to stay away from those guys at all costs. Mason Thompson did warm at one point, didn't come into it. So I guess he was available But the fact that Willingham pitched that spot 
tells me that Finnegan and Harvey were set to have the night off unless they really, really needed them in a big spot. All right. So the Nats do lose this game one of uh, a four-game series against the Reds. Game two is the uh, annual July 4th morning game. Tuesday morning, 11.05, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher uh, for that game. I know it's a quick turnaround. I think this is a great tradition that the Nats have, the July 4th morning game. It's something different, certainly breaks up the monotony of the season. You know, it gives you, obviously, ample time to enjoy uh, the rest of your day if you go to the game. This is a really cool thing that the Nats continue to do. Yeah, I love it. I've always liked it. I will admit, as somebody who you know works the night of the third and has to come back first thing in the morning on the fourth, it's a struggle to get here that early. The pregame is condensed, and it's a rush, and it's a scramble to do everything you need to do. But once you sit down and that first pitch goes at 11.05, it's a great experience, especially with the pace of play now, knock on wood, you're talking about a game that's going to end maybe before any other major league game starts for the day. And I think fans have embraced it. It allows you to come see a ball game and still have plenty of time to go home, do whatever else you want to do with your family, cook out, barbecue, go see fireworks. It's great for the traffic patterns. You're not worried about fighting traffic as everyone else is coming in to the city for the 4th of July. So I think it's really one of the best things the Nationals have done. It's a nice tradition. And they're stepping up even more in this case. I don't know if you heard, they're going to be showing this game on the Armed Forces Network abroad on all the bases. And Adam LaRoche, former Nats first baseman, and a couple others are going to be live from a base in Qatar, I believe it is, watching this game on Tuesday. And I think you're going to see some of that on the broadcast as they interact with them. So a very cool thing. You know, there's not a whole lot of baseball tradition in D.C. You have other towns that are known for certain things. You have Patriots Day in Boston. You got a lot of other things. I think this is a really nice and unique thing they have here in Washington that we can say is our own. Fourth of July, D.C. morning game. They get it every year. They don't play on the road ever on July 4th. Major League Baseball has given them July 4th at home every year, and I think it's a great tradition they've established. Yeah, anything you can do to kind of put your stamp on things in a way that makes sense and is appeasing to your fan base is good. And the Nats have done a really good job in that regard. Hey, shout out to a loyal listener of the Nats Chat Podcast, Andrew T. Gray, who recently made the trek. He made the brave voyage to watch the Nationals play in Philadelphia at the sit, uh, but he saw Nats win. So great to have that be the case and great to have Andrew uh, as a listener of the Nats Chat Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show to NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the show, uh, hit up Tim Schober, see what we can do for you. We'd love to have you on board. Again, that email address is NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. A thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit TimNewmark.com. So for Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat Podcast. And we leave you now with this installment of our own Tim Shover's conversation with the great Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline talking about Brady House who, yes, is now primarily a third baseman, but Pipeline is listing House as a third baseman slash shortstop. Brady House is at number 75, recently promoted to high A Wilmington. He's listed as third base slash shortstop, which surprised me. I was under the impression he definitely was being groomed for third base. Yeah, no, I think that's accurate. We have three of us who handle teams. I don't have the Nationals, maybe... 
you know, because he played some shortstop last year. I, I think he's definitely third base. He's just going to be a big guy. I, the nice thing with Brady is it's good to see him healthy. You know, he had such a weird year last year when he had the back issues going. And, and I talked to scouts who saw him before they, they kind of shut him down. And they're like, he's not hitting the ball hard at all, which was crazy because Brady House's best tools is power. I mean, he hit the ball hard, you know, for two years on the showcase circuit. I mean, he might have been, he would have been a first round pick if he had reclassified and got entered the draft after his junior year. But um, yeah, he's, he's back, I think, to being what the Nationals hoped he would be when they took him. I think he's going to be a solid hitter with a ton of power. And I think third base suits him very well. Went one for four on Tuesday with a double, as well as coming across home play. As that one is hit out into center field. You have Isaac Bellinelli on the run. And Brady House gets his first career Blue Rocks home run. A solo shot, first on the year. And that was just right over the heart of the plate. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com